Good morning, church. Now take out your bulletins and fold them just like that, and then you'll, you'll be set. <laughs> little origami lesson. Thanks for bringing your Bibles with you this morning. We are doing an introduction to this important series called Transform. Today I want to talk about the importance of setting goals, and then next week we'll get into that seven-week series where we cover those seven areas of our life that are so critical that if we'll set some goals in each of those areas, move toward those goals, uh, it, will, it will be a transforming experience for us. And I hope you're encouraged and excited about that as I am. Today's text is found in the New Testament book of Philippians. I'm going to read uh, verses 12 to 14 from the third chapter of Philippians. This is the Apostle Paul just reminding us of the importance of having goals. He, uh, he gives us some context here by saying that he wants to identify with Jesus he wants to uh, relate to his sufferings and ultimately attain to the image of Christ and to the resurrection, uh, our eternal hope. And so it's in that context of goals and ultimate goals that we find these words. So let me invite you to stand as you're able to hear Philippians 3 beginning at verse 12. And the apostle writes, Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And may God inspire us today and impart his truth to our hearts. You may be seated. Thanks so much. There's a verse that we're going to use as a theme verse through this entire series. It's from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's familiar to many of you. It's simply this. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, God wants you to be a nonconformist. The, the danger, of course, is that we conform to the world's shape that somehow we allow the world to pressurize us and squeeze us and push us and conform us to its image. But rather, God wants us to be a nonconformist by being transformed through the renewing of our mind. Let me remind you that all of us are unique. You are unique and you are special. There's no one like you in all of the world. Now, now God is not interested in cloning folks. Human beings try that from time to time, clone animals and, and try and people. And, and what we know about God is that he has made each one of us unique. Our voice print is unique. Our thumb print is unique. Our hand print, our heartbeat, all of those things are special to us. Here's the problem. The problem is we all start off as originals, but too many of us conform and become copies of others. It happens. We get conformed and pressed and pushed. And so during the next uh, several weeks, we're going to look at these seven key areas of our lives and changes that we need to make, that we want to make, and we can make because of God's power in our lives. And we're going to talk about these seven categories next week, beginning with our spiritual life and then our, our physical life and then our mental life, emotional life, relational life. We're going to talk about our financial life and then ultimately our vocational life. All of these areas then that we can set goals and trust God to make dramatic changes. So what I want to do today is explain to you why setting goals is so important, why it adds such value to our lives. And let me just remind you that this series 
Uh, oftentimes in our worship themes, we talk about life's problems and pressures and how to deal with those things. But this entire series is not about current problems and pressures. This is about our future. This is about our potential. This is about our possibilities. This is about making the best life of the rest of our life. The best life of the rest of our lives. So let me just uh, begin then by giving you six reasons why setting goals are so important. Number one, goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. A spiritual responsibility. You have outlines in your bulletin today. I know a lot of you will want to take notes. You might note that there's not only a front side, but there's a back side to these. I mean, it could go on forever, right? And it's a front and back. The reason for that is because when I'm, when I'm doing outlines and sermons, I usually go three points, maybe four. But I'm doing this in association with Rick Warren and some of the work he's done, and Rick's a lot smarter than me, and, and so you got a two-sided outline. Uh, he's got a busy mind. He just keeps going. But we'll get through it quickly, and, uh, and I hope it adds value. Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. You know, God sets goals. He has goals for the universe. He has goals for planet Earth. He has goals for history. He has goals for eternity. And God certainly has goals for you, for me. He, he has a purpose for our lives. Here's an example of it. In Philippians chapter 3, our text today, here's what the Apostle Paul said. I know that I am not yet what God wants me to be. I know I am not yet what God wants me to be. Can I get someone to identify with that? I know I haven't arrived. I know I'm not there. I know I'm not perfect. I'm no, I know I got a long way to go. And so he says, I haven't reached that goal, but I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this. I know that I haven't reached my goal, but there's one thing I always do. I forget what is in the past, and I strain forward to what is ahead. I keep my eyes focused on the goal so that one day when I can win the prize that God has called me to receive through Christ, not only in this life but the next. All of you who are spiritually mature should do the same thing as well. So here's the, here's the testimony of the apostle Paul saying, look, I set goals and it's out there, and I keep that goal. In this text, he says, there is that goal. I'm going to reach my goal. My eyes are focused on the goal. So why is it important to have a goal? Because it's a spiritual responsibility. Think about it this way. You're either going to go through life by design or by default. Think about that. Either going to go through life by design, on purpose, or by default. Just letting it happen. You're either going to set goals and you're going to decide what's important for your life or other people are going to decide what's important for you. You know how the world is. It pressures us. It squeezes us. It, it creates stress on us. And unless we set our priorities and we decide what's important as we understand God's best plan for our life, then other voices and other stress points and other things are going to conform us to some other image. And so it's up to us to have goals because if we don't, we're abdicating control of our life to somebody else. If you don't have goals for your life, you're not actually living. You're just reacting. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not setting clear goals and, and clear parameters. Then you're just coasting. If you don't have goals, then you're going to allow someone else to run your life. This is a very important spiritual discipline, very important to set goals. The Bible says to be a mature person, then you should do the same thing, Paul said. So he said, I set my goal, I strive for my goal, I move toward my goal, I keep my eyes focused on the goal. 
This is the Apostle Paul, and he's one of the most uh, impressive, prominent Christians who've ever lived. So first of all, it's a spiritual responsibility to have goals in your life. Here's number two. Goals are statements of faith. Statements of faith. Now, you think, well, setting goals, isn't that a business thing or a secular thing or what athletes do? Well, actually, this is a spiritual habit that you need, all of us need, to develop. Goals are statements of faith. In other words, we come to a place in our life and we say, for example, with our relationship with God, our spiritual life, we say, God, I want my relationship with you to be better. And so I trust you to help me to grow in my relationship with you. Now, that's a a statement of faith because I'm asking God to help me reach a particular goal in such and such a time for such and such reasons. That's a statement of faith. It's a statement of trust in God. Um, the Bible actually says it this way, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Romans chapter 14 actually says, whatever is not of faith is, is sin. So God's simply saying, look, if you're not exercising your faith and, and building goals based on your faith and trust in me, then you're not pleasing me. It's very important then. Here's a goal-stretching verse, if you will, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Listen to this verse. It says, God can do anything. Now, we're okay with that. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or dare to request in your wildest dreams. God can do anything beyond what you can ask, think, or even imagine. Now, that's an amazing statement, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I, I have a pretty wild and vivid imagination. I can imagine God doing great things and big things. But here's what this promise says, this, this goal-stretching verse. God can do anything even beyond what you can comprehend. Now, that's, that's, that's really amazing. That's challenging. Many years ago, we decided to buy this property. And some of you may not know that we were a, a relatively, well, we were just a little small church out in a little cornfield church many years ago. And we met in a local high school at Delta for a number of years. And then we purchased this property. And we had a handful of hundreds of people at the high school. And so we committed to buy this property, which is a former car dealership. It had been vacated. It used to be McCoy Ford. Our sanctuary was the current show, was the showroom of this dealership and so forth. And so we, we spent and committed millions of dollars. We had a few hundred people, and we committed millions of dollars to purchase this property and to renovate it. And as the word got out around the community, it was interesting to kind of watch the psychology of it because people were saying, what is the name of that church? Union Chapel? We've never heard of them. It was just a little cornfield church for years. Nobody knew about us. And so who's, what is Union Chapel? Who are they? And then when they found out that we were investing millions of dollars to renovate this, this facility... This is the question that began to emerge in the culture. And I heard this firsthand. I heard it secondhand. And this was the question. Who do those people think they are? Who do they think they are? And I thought at the time, you know, it's the wrong question. And I still know that's the wrong question. The, the, The wrong question is, who do you think you are? Who do they think they are? The right question is, who do they think their God is? That's the right question. How big is their God? That's the right question. If you got a big God, then you can set big goals. If you got a small little God, then you can set tiny goals. If you have no God, then you have no goals. Let the size of God determine the size of your goal. And if you got a big God, you can go big. 
Because God can do anything, Ephesians 3.20, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or dare to request or even in your wildest imaginations. That's the God we serve. Big God. He's big. He's big. Wherever you have God in your mind and your heart right now, he's bigger than that. He's big. Bigger than big. He's a big God. So set big goals. I, I guess what I want to say as your pastor today, and someone who really cares about you and sees the potential in what we're doing, I want the best for you. During these next several weeks, could I just dare you to dream big? Stop your puny little thinking. Stop being in a tiny little box. I'm too young or I'm too old or I'm too big or I'm too small or I'm not pretty enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm not handsome enough or I'm the wrong color or I don't have my college degree or I'm from the wrong side of town. And stop all of your arguments and all of your rationalizing and start dreaming what God can do in your life if you'll just trust him because he's really big and he's capable. Yeah. There are two common mistakes when people make goals. One is they set them too low. And the other is they expect to accomplish them too quickly. Now, let that settle. Think too small and expect to accomplish them too quickly. Here's the cool thing about dreaming. Uh, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost you a dime. It doesn't cost you a penny to dream. And so what do you want to dream about with regard to your relationships? What do you want to dream about with regard to your career, your finances, your relationship with God, how healthy you want to be physically? What, what kind of dreams might you dream? Remember, it doesn't cost you anything to dream. And so what ten, we tend to do is overestimate what we can do in a short period of time and tend to underestimate what we can accomplish over a long period of time. Overestimate what we can do in a year, underestimate what we could accomplish in 10 years. And by the way, the difference between a goal and a dream is you put a deadline on it. If you don't have a date, a deadline on your goal, then it's not a goal, it's just a dream. And dreams are good, but you need both. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. Now listen to this. Very simple, but profound. Listen. According to your faith, will it be done to you? According to your faith, will it be done to you? So I'm going to encourage you, when we start setting one goal a week for the next several weeks, don't miss any of these. And that when you ask the question, will this require me to have faith? Is it such a big dream that I'm bound to fail unless God helps me? Uh, am I really going out on a limb? You know, that's, that's what God wants because the goals are statements of faith. Some of you have been hugging the trunk of the tree for too long. You need to get out on a limb. Let me tell you something's true about out on the limb. That's where the fruit is. That's where the benefits are. Unless you get out on a limb, <laughs> you can't pick the fruit. And that's where God wants you to go. So don't be afraid. Climb on out there. Here's number three. Goals focus my energy. They focus my energy. Focus is the key to an effective life. It's not the 50 things that I do that I dabble in. It's the one thing that I do. Think about that. The more you focus your life, the more powerful, the more effective your life is going to be. Now, we all learned this in science class that light diffused has no power. But when you focus light, it has enormous power. See, the sun... Uh, can't sit on, set things on fire uh, because it's diffused light on the earth. But, but I remember when I was a kid, you know, you get a little magnifying glass. You remember this as a child? And you go around just starting fires, <laughs> killing bugs as they go by, you know, just burning them. How many of you girls used to kill bugs like that with a magnifying glass? I think that mostly that was a boy thing. I don't think girls did that too much. I saw one hand. 
my wife. I don't know what that means. You focus the light, and it can actually start a fire. You can focus the light even more. It becomes a laser, and a laser can cut through steel. A laser can, can kill cancer. So you want to live a laser life, a focused life. Goals focus my energy. And would you agree the world is full of distractions? Can I get a witness? I mean, there are so many things. You don't, you don't have time to do everything. Here's the good news. God doesn't expect you to do everything. Not everything is worth doing. There are only a few things that are really worth doing. And the key to be an effective woman of God, a man of God, is to do the things that matter most and forget everything else. Goals focus my life. This was a liberating season of my life years ago when it finally dawned on me, because I, I didn't get this yet. It finally dawned on me that I don't have to do and be what everybody else expects me to do and be. I only have to be what God expects me to do and be. And I, if I focus my life on the things He wants me to do and be, then my life will be more effective. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. And so the apostle is saying, look, this isn't, this isn't you know, just flailing about. This isn't shadow boxing. This isn't air guitar. This is a real deal. And whatever I give myself to, I want to make contact with that. I want to be effective in it. I want to focus on that. And goals focus my energy. Let me just say this. Some of you are running without a goal. You're running hard. You're just running in circles. You know, you're in the rat race. You bought in. Because this is the distraction the world gives. You know, look, everybody's in the rat race. Get on, get on the track and run the rat race. Listen, you can win the rat race, but you're still a rat at the end. <laughs> Nobody wants that. So get off the treadmill mill, and start focusing your life and your goals on God's better plans. All right, here's the fourth reason that setting goals is so important, and that is goals keep me going. Goals keep me going. You've heard me say this a few times. Let me see if you remember. When you're going through hell, what do you do? You keep going. When you're going through hell, keep going. Now, that, you know, that sounds a little cute and clever and witty, but hang on to that. Because you keep breathing in and breathing out, one of these days you'll be in hell. Because something's going to go wrong. When you're in hell, just keep going. You don't want to make a home in hell. You don't stay there and camp overnight. When you're going through hell, you just keep going. And the way you do that is to have a goal out there beyond your current circumstances, which are so difficult. The Bible says Jesus endured the cross because he looked forward to the goal of the glory that was before him. So he endured the pain in order to gain the payoff. He was willing to go through the hell in order to see himself on the other side. And you need, you need hope and you need a goal to do this. Job said it this way in Job 6 verse 11. He said, I don't have the strength to endure. You ever heard yourself think or say that? I just don't have it. I don't, think I, can, I don't think I can go on. I don't have the strength to endure. And then he said, I do not have the strength to endure. I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. So you have to have a goal to keep going. A study of survivors of the Jewish Holocaust, World War II, the Nazis killed approximately 6 million Jews and 
many Christians were involved, Muslims, gays, others that they just didn't like. They put them all in death camps. They studied those who survived the Holocaust, asked them questions about how they made it. You've heard about this. And every time, every one of them had something to look forward to. Every one of them had something waiting for them. Every one of them had something to live for. And they hung on to that, even though they were in hell. They looked through that in order to see the goal out there. There's something more. There's something else for me. I need to stay alive. And those who didn't have anything to live for, just the opposite happened. No goal, no hope, and so they just died. There have been seasons in my life, just like in your life. But I can tell you, in my life, there have been seasons over the last 32, 33 years of pastoring this church that there have been times when I wanted to quit. I wanted to resign. I've written letters of resignation more than once. Never turned them in, but it, you know, it was very therapeutic to write it. You can take this job and I ain't working here no more. You know, that's, there's some therapy in that. But I look back on that now, and I'm just I'm grateful that I didn't quit. And more than I'm grateful I didn't quit and give up, I'm grateful that God didn't give up on me. And here's something you need to know. God will not give up on you. He won't quit on you. He's with you. And if you'll, if you'll set a goal and you'll see beyond the current circumstance, God will see you through. What kept me going through those difficult seasons, I've thought about this. I've processed this. It's because I had a goal. Let me tell you what my goal was. Many years ago, I asked myself, what is my mission in life? What's my purpose in life? And I started sorting that out, and I actually wrote out a mission statement, a personal mission statement. I have that. And, and right in the middle of that mission statement is the idea of serving this church for an entire generation. I sorted that out with God a long time ago. That's my sense of call. Now, you, you figure out how many years that generation is, but I, from, from a long, long time ago, it's been in my heart, in my mind, my goal is to serve this church and serve this community for an entire generation. And so when I got in a place where I wanted to quit, I went, well, shoot, I can't quit because I, I, I haven't completed my goal, my sense of God's call. I can't turn my back on that. There must be something else. There must be something more. And so... I got to keep moving. I'm in hell. I got to keep moving. You don't want to stay there. And so that's what I did. You want to know how often I felt like giving up? <laughs> Just about every Monday morning. <laughs> I actually get PMS <laughs> on Mondays. Post-message syndrome. You know, you preach three or four times and you're physically tired and you're emotionally spent. And you, you know, I wake up on Mondays and I go, oh man, what a mess I made. I made such a big mess. People say, do you rest on Mondays? No, I do damage assessment on Mondays. <laughs> this is how I process. And, I, and I, I frequently hear myself going, you know, there's got to be someone who can do this better than me. You know, I, I should just quit, get out of the way, let someone more qualified, more devout, who, who should be leading this church. This is just too hard for me. People say, do you take Mondays off? And I said, no. I said, I don't want to be that depressed on my day off. Wait till I feel better, then take that day off. You know, that's better. You keep going. Why do you keep going? Because you have a goal. You have something out there that's beyond this moment. When you have a long-term goal, long-term goals keep you from being discouraged with the short-term setbacks. 
Every, everybody has setbacks, right? Everybody blows it. Everybody has mistakes. Everybody fails. Everybody fails. In fact, failure is the only way you can succeed. Remember this. You cannot succeed in life without failing. And the reason for that is because that's how you learn what works and what doesn't work. Never call it a failure. It's an education. See, some folks, the reason they quit and they give up and, and they retreat from God's best is because when they make a mistake and when they fail, because we all do, people interpret a failure as be a, a failed moment implying that I am a failure. And as a failure, I can't achieve my goals. I can't go on. But listen, a failure is not the end of it. A failure is just an opportunity to learn. And I don't know about you, but I have a very advanced education. I have a very high-level education. People think that Union Chapel, you know, is uh, this cutting-edge, progressive thinking, uh, you know, right out there uh, trying to reach people in creative, thoughtful ways. And, and we do try that. But listen, it's not because we know everything and we always get it right. Union Chapel is the product of a series of failures. People call us all the time. How do you do children's ministry? How do you do that youth thing? How do you? And, and they're asking questions because from the outside looking in, it looks like, well, we've got that all together. They know what they're doing. Listen, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> what we're good at, listen, here's what we're good at. We're good at failing fast. <laughs> when we mess up, we go, well, pff, let's not do that again. And we, and we try to move off of it quick, as quickly as we can. So we, and this is what works in everyone's life. If you take your failures and learn from them, that's an education. That prepares you for the next opportunity that God has in, in your goals, goal steps. And, and, so, and so this is what we do. We, we learn to fail fast. If you, learn, if you fail slow, then you're going to be stuck. So learn as quickly as you can from your mistake and then move forward. Try something else. And, and God will be with you. Goal doesn't have to be a big thing to motivate you. It can just be a little thing. For example, example if you go into the, the hospital and you have a major surgery, you wake up from your surgery, your, your first goal is, can I sit up? And then the next day, can I sit up and can I, get my, can I swing my legs over the edge of the bed? And the next day after that, can I sit up, can I swing my legs over the bed, and can I stand up? and get myself to the bathroom. And then maybe the next day after that, can I sit up and get up and, and actually walk a little bit? Maybe I make a whole lap around my wing of the hospital. Those aren't, those aren't big goals, but they're very important. Can I have the strength just to take those very small, important steps toward my goals? Because to get from here to success is rarely just one big leap. It's a consistent Steady, step-by-step, oftentimes small incremental steps toward your goal, to a big success, to big achievement, to big opportunity. You may come this weekend, maybe you're a little discouraged. Maybe you're down. Maybe you're feeling a little blue. Maybe, maybe you've uh, got seasonal affect disorder. You know, you're just down. You're down, 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 dooby-doo, down, down. <laughs> you're having a bad day. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. <laughs> Listen, if you're discouraged this weekend, you need to set some new goals. Listen to me. That's what, that's what we're going to do in these next several weeks. You need to set some new goals in these different areas of your life. 
Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. It's a statement of faith. It focuses my energy and it keeps me going. And that's what we all need. Now, here's, here's the fifth thing. Goals build my character. It's the big one now. Watch this. Goals build my character. The greatest benefit to your life over the goals you're, you're going to set over these next several weeks, the biggest benefit to your life is not going to be the accomplishments or the achievements you acquire because of these goals. But what happens rather inside of you while you're moving toward the goal. Follow it now. God is more interested in your character than he is in your accomplishments. You're not going to take your success to heaven. You're not going to take your career to heaven. The only thing you're taking with you to heaven is your character, your personhood, the real you. That's who's going. So God is more interested in who you are and what you become than he is in what you do and accomplish and what you exceed at. God is interested in you. So here's the idea. While I'm working on the goal, God is working on me. Does that make sense? You hear that? It works that way. That's what God wants to do in your life. God helps build your character. And that's what's going to last for eternity. That's why the Apostle Paul said, Philippians 3 from our text, I keep striving toward the goal. Meaning it takes energy, it takes effort, it takes intention, it takes purpose in order to reach your goal. God says, while you're doing that, while you're working on the goal, God is building your character. Now listen to me. You will never, listen, You'll never become the man God intends you to be unless you intend to become that man. You'll never become the woman God intends you to be unless you intend to become that woman. Unless you determine that that's what you're going to do. I'm going to strive toward that goal. I'm going to give my energy, my effort, my intellect, my intention, my purpose toward becoming what God wants me to be. And when I do that, God will shape me at the level of my personhood, my character, the real me. He will shape me as a person into a person that can last all the way to the end. Now, let me predict the future. This is, this is sobering for me to say this, but I know it's true. All weekend, I've been talking to hundreds and hundreds of people in our worship services and online. Listen to me. Ten years from now, there are people within the sound of my voice who will not be in church. You won't be in church here. You won't be in church anywhere. You will be far away from God. For some of you, you, you will have lost your marriage. You will have lost your career. You will have lost the most important relationships in your life. Your life literally will be a mess. And the reason you will find yourself in that kind of condition, that kind of state, is because in moments like these, you did not intentionally and willfully and in a determined fashion desire to pursue God's best plan for your life. You didn't intend to follow Jesus. You were, you were on the fringe. You were trying a little bit, but you were casual more than you were intentional about your Christianity and about your relationship with God and the other important relationships and issues of your life. And because of that, 
because you didn't engage, you didn't go all in, and you didn't give yourself fully to what God's opportunity was in your life, in moments like these, you're going to pay. And there will be consequences for it. And just as sure as I'm standing here and you're sitting where you are, I'm talking to someone and I'm telling your story. Just as sure as the world. If, on the other hand, you want God to build your character into the kind of man or woman that can survive the storm and deal with whatever comes your way, then you'll pause and you'll set goals in these important issues of life and you'll allow God to build you at the level of your character the strength you need all the way to the finish. He who has ears, let him hear. Here's number six. Good goals will be rewarded. Good goals will be rewarded. You're going to be rewarded on earth by people. You're going to be rewarded by God in heaven. We know that. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty seven, if your goals are good, you'll be respected. So you want to be respected? Then you need to set some good goals. Um, just a few weeks ago, the entire nation paused for an entire day to celebrate the life of Martin Luther King Jr. Now, why did we have a national holiday for one guy? Why did we do that? Well, the answer is because he didn't live for himself. He didn't live for greed or pleasure or popularity. But instead, he lived to fight injustice and prejudice and racism, to fight for truth. And he set good goals for his life, and so we honored him with a holiday. And there are people whom I respect, just like you respect, who have given their lives in similar ways for the good of others. And I, I think about in my own life, you have Martin Luther King, who I admire very much, and, and Mother Teresa, one of my, one of my favorites. Billy Graham has uh, just been one of my personal uh, mentors over the years. But there are other people in history who weren't professing Christians. A man like Gandhi, for example, is, is greatly to be admired and respected. I respect him greatly because they gave their lives for the good of others. They had a goal greater than themselves. They didn't think a little selfish uh, personal life. They thought about other people and other opportunities. They didn't think about money and about retiring. And I said this last week, I'll say it again right now. If you think that God's plan for your life is to accumulate as much money as you can so that you can retire as early as you can and live under a rock somewhere, then you are confused as you can be. That is not the will and plan of God for your life. God has called you up to higher things. God has called you up to more influence than that. God has called you, called you to, to, to live and give and act and react so that others' lives can be enhanced and blessed. That's why you're here, to love God and to love others. That's what, that's what good goals look like. When they have as their, their ultimate achievement to love God more and to love the people around us better. 1 Corinthians 9.25, all athletes practiced strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. God, that inspired me. I just love that stuff. 1 Corinthians 9.25. Well, let me just, we're rounding third now. Let's, can we just bring this home real quick? Because now we have to flip over the outline on the backside. This is, this is like overtime. Um, but it's important to, to get this down. And for all of you high C's, you know, your conscientious personality types, I know you can't leave here without filling in all the blanks on your outline. So here they are. So, so we'll get them for you. N number one, what kind of gold does God bless? Well, the first is, will it honor God? Will it honor God? 
1 Corinthians 10.31, when you eat or drink or do anything, always do it to honor God, which means that you can take out the garbage or wash the dishes or clean your car or your house or study for a test. All those things can be done in a God-honoring way by doing it with the right motive. You do it out of gratitude and a desire to please God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.9, we make it our goal to please Him. Second question is, is it motivated by love? Now, I've talked about that just for a moment. If, see, if your goals in life are based on greed or competition, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, get that promotion in my company, you know, and I'm going to beat that other person out. If your goal is about, motivated by envy or greed or grief or guilt or grudges or worry or fear or anxiety, if your goals are all about materialism or ego or pride, not good. And so God can't work with those. But when you set a goal out of love, to love God, I want to do this because I love you, Lord, and I want to, to honor you, and I want to set this goal so that it will honor other people so I can learn how to love people better. God, the goals of my life, I, I want them to be such that when I'm fulfilling those goals, it actually helps me to love you more and to honor you more and to express gratitude to you and to bless other people to encourage them and to help them and to learn how to love them. God, help me learn how to love people who aren't very lovable. Help me to, to love folks who just rub me the wrong way and help me, help me to express love in meaningful, authentic ways. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, everything you do must be done with love. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, love must be your highest goal. Now, why is that important? Why, why should our goals be based in love? It's because if you set loveless goals then what happens is you'll treat people as projects. They just become stepping stones. People become rungs on the ladder. You just climb over the top of them. And that's not honorable to God. You're going to run all over them and run over your friends and run over your family and climbing up the ladder of success. God says, no, you've got that, you've got that wrong. It's not about accomplishments. It's not about achievements. It's not about status. It's, a, it's about relationships. And it's about learning how to love. And if you'll set your goals that love God, then God will be with you. Here's the third question. Will it require depending on God? <laughs> Proverbs 16, 9, we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. That's a good word, isn't it? That's what, that's what we're going to do during these uh, weeks of transformation. You get to plan the way you want to live and then ask God to give you the power to do it. So we need these three things to reach your goal from God. Number one, these are the last little bullets. Number one, I need God's spirit to empower me. Zechariah 4, 6, we will not succeed by our own strength or by our own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There you go. We need the spirit of God. Number two, I need God's word to guide me. Beautiful verse in Joshua 1, 8, keep this law of the Lord on your lips Recite it day and night that you may be careful to follow all that is written in it. Then you will have success and attain your goal. That's a, that's a promise that didn't come from Tony Robbins or some other self-help guru. That's from the Bible. If you'll take the words of God and you'll learn them and read them and recite them and memorize them so you can meditate on them and apply the words of God's truth, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will find success. That's the promise. We need God's word to guide us. And then thirdly, I need God's people to support me. So important. It takes a team to fulfill a dream. It does. 
You need other people in your life. That's why we insist that everybody be part of a small group. Listen, if you just show up the next seven or eight weeks and all you do is sit here and listen to these messages and expect God to do something in your life, it's probably not going to happen. But if, you, if you'll come and listen and then you'll get in a group and you'll talk about it and you'll process it and you'll pray about it and you'll, and you'll hear the word of God and, you, and you'll do some journaling with it, you'll buy one of, the, one of the workbooks and you'll allow the resources there to help you and you'll actually intentionally invest yourself and apply yourself by setting goals in each of these areas, taking the steps toward those goals, this can be a life-changing experience, transforming experience. A crowd can't support you, but a small group can. Ecclesiastes 4.12, by yourself you're unprotected, but with a friend you can face the worst. And a group of three is even better because a rope braided with three strands is not easily broken. It's good, isn't it? It's really good. So I'm really excited about this series, and I know that you are as well, and we're going to have a great, great time together. So starting next week, we're going to jump into our spiritual life and how we can build our relationship with God, and we'll go from there. All right? That's it. That's all the blanks, right? I got them? All right, everybody's at peace about that. Okay, that's good. Could we just pause and just spend a couple of minutes praying about these things and asking God to bless us? Would you bow with me, please? Father, we already know that you're going to do some amazing things in our midst when we begin these weeks of transformation. We know lives are going to be changed. We know that families are going to be strengthened, marriages perhaps even saved, friendships made. We know that miracles are going to happen. I pray for that, that person in the room right now who's been challenged by this message at a, at a real fundamental level. I pray for that miracle to start happening in their life right now. Lord, people who are away from you, adrift, far from you, and they think to themselves, even today, you know, this is a chance for me to connect, really connect with God and with his people. Let that miracle happen, Lord. And Lord, it'd be a waste of our time not to expect you to do such great things. So we already thank you in advance for what's happening in the hearts of people. Especially thank you for all the folks who've taken the step moved against their fear to become a host of a small group to say, I'll start a group, two, three, four, five, six people. Thank you for these folks who are stepping out in faith. Help them to realize that they're already a success. It doesn't really matter who shows up, who doesn't show up, because if you're doing it in faith and love, the Bible says love never fails. So really, Lord, you're more interested in our attitude than even the results. So most of all, we thank you for the cross. Because we thank you and we do everything for Jesus' sake. Now, friends, let me, let me offer words for all of us. But as I say the words, would you say them in your heart? Trust God for the results. God, I give you permission to change whatever needs to be changed in my life. God, use these next weeks to permanently transform my life and to make the rest of my life the best of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.